Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Corporate America. And I want to follow this up as to what's happened the last couple of days. Now, usually major corporations, even minor corporations, have stayed out of politics. Man, they just don't comment. You just don't get involved uh, other than dealing with uh, politicians who hate you or love you. And that's it. Well, uh, let me tell you what's changed. Remember, the Black Lives Matter movement changed everything. Uh, Now you have to be on one side or the other, or corporate has to be on uh, the side of Black Lives Matter. You won't see any corporation being on the other side. Uh, Same thing with LGBTQ matters. Uh, You've got to be in favor or you just shut up. You can't be a corporation and argue against it. You have to to make a political stand. Uh, The Me Too movement corporations have jumped on the bandwagon heretofore they would just never say anything because corporations can't be political oh boy are those days gone and especially now with that draft opinion on roe v wade released a couple of days ago and this one is more controversial and puts corporations in a bind more so than any other social issue Where do you go with this? What does a corporation do? You've got big corporations, uh, Amazon, for example, uh, Netflix, that actually are giving employees, subsidizing their ability to jump on an airplane and fly to a state that offers abortion services. You work for Amazon in now Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Florida, uh, they'll hand you the $2,000, $3,000 to go get an abortion. Well, you got people that go crazy. And keep in mind uh, that these major corporations have offices in states that both offer abortion services, California that invites people to come here and will do more so. Hey, you need an abortion? This is the place. We'll tell you right now. It's uh, It's going to be like Disneyland. It's going to be a tourist attraction, uh, abortion clinics. People are going to swarm California because it's going to be one of those states that are going to be at the forefront of offering and and just saying abortion is here. So you have states in which uh, conservative people, and keep in mind you've got shareholders that live in those states, You have governments. Look what happened in Florida on uh, the LGBTQ issue of uh, the Don't Say Gay Act, where Disney Disney comes out, screams against it, and then you have Florida takes away the Reedy Creek uh, Development Company, which Disney owned. They controlled that area. It became their own government. That's all gone. Government intervention. And so you've got shareholders, you have customers, you have the local governments, you have the state government, and corporations now have to navigate those waters. Hard enough 
with uh, the gay movement, the LGBTQ movement, hard enough with the Me Too movement, certainly hard enough uh, with uh, Black Lives Matter movement. This is on a whole different level. I mean, this is one that is so polarizing. Why? Because if you're against the Me Too Too movement, are you going to fight the corporation and say, don't work here? No, you can't. No one does. You may disagree. Uh, same thing with you ha- if you happen to believe with uh, in uh, LGBTQ rights. You know, I mean, uh, you hate it and you shouldn't, uh, you know, gays shouldn't have the rights uh, that other people do. And, uh, you know, them queers uh, uh, shouldn't be allowed to do what they do. Okay, you, you have that philosophy. But, you know, how, how big a deal are you going to make out of vis-a-vis corporations? Uh, you're not. Whoa, is that different with abortion? And Roe v. Wade, that puts the corporations on a whole new level in terms of dealing with politics and social issues. And, you know, the days of corporations being apolitical are not here. Look at the changes. When we talk about polarization and where America has gone, now you have companies that have to take stands. Now, there are plenty of companies out there that just refuse. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, for example, when asked to comment, said, we're not commenting. We have absolutely nothing to say about this. And I think it's going to break down to, uh, number one, where corporate headquarters are, who the customers are, for the most part. Uh, You have uh, who the shareholders are what kind of advocacy the shareholders are engaged in. I mean, it is a mess. So you have Apple, you have Amazon, Uber, Lyft, all helping with legal expenses even with workers facing penalties for helping people access abortion. I mean, welcome to the new corporate world. A lot of going on now in the world of infertility. Whenever I see a story like this, I immediately go, oh, okay, uh, that's me. Uh, well, that's me in terms of uh, infertility uh, because there's a bunch of different ways of dealing with infertility. IVF, fertility drugs, just going to a, a doctor, a fertility expert, and just dealing with it medically. Uh, you've got surgery. You have egg donation. You have sperm donation. You have surrogacy, where uh, that was was my practice uh, of law for all those years. And uh, IVF treatment. My kids were born uh, of the IVF treatment. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, where do... I've often told this story uh, when my kids ask me, gee, dad, where do I come from? I point to a Dixie cup in Lucite on the mantle and I go, there you go. Uh, it's it's simply a, a different technology, as you can imagine. And it is technology that enables people to have kids. Why? Because people are infertile. Uh, 15%, maybe a little higher now, of Americans suffer some kind of infertility. Uh, we're talking about heterosexual couples. I mean, gay couples, by definition, are infertile. Uh, Two men can't have a baby without adoption or uh, without uh, uh, having a surrogate. Uh, Women, uh, lesbian couples, uh, by definition, are infertile. They're not going to get pregnant without a sperm donation. So uh, infertility is uh, huge. It's uh, rampant, and it is becoming more and more prevalent for a whole number of reasons. Uh, First of all, probably the water. I'm exaggerating here. But women are having children later and later is the primary reason. 
And the way infertility works, uh, when a woman hits about 35, uh, the fertility rate, her ability, uh, her eggs have ability to be fertilized starts dropping dramatically. With men, it doesn't matter. You know, tell me God is not a man. Men can have children up to 70 or 80. So there's a new Colorado bill. Oh, before that, let me give you a quick backstory uh, with infertility. Up to this point, egg donation and sperm donation was done in secret. You go to a sperm bank, for example, uh, and it was done anonymously. The sperm bank would say, here is our sperm donor. Uh, Here's the education. Uh, Six foot tall, uh, blonde hair or dark hair uh, and education level. Here's the build, but you never knew the name. You never knew the address. So kids born, uh, and this was, I guess, because uh, the fear that uh, children born of sperm donation would want to go back and see who their biological parents are, which, by the way, is true. But the fear of somehow the kids connecting, that's not true. When I started our surrogacy program, from day one, I believed, we believed, my partner and I, believed in open Egg donation, open surrogacy, open sperm donation. Because kids want to know where they came from. Now, is mom any less mom? No, of course not. Is dad any less our father or my father? No, of course not. But to find out where the roots are. Otherwise, kids are wondering who and how. And uh, so now you've got Colorado. There's a new bill that is uh, it. what it does is it says... Uh, it's going to require the identity of egg and sperm donors to be released upon the request of their donor-conceived offspring when they turn 18. Now, my philosophy is exactly that. Same thing. Kids should know. And we push our parents to let the kids know. And if after 18, I mean, we have done this as simply a policy in my practice, that once a kid hits 18 and contacts us, who is my egg donor, who's my surrogate, who's my sperm donor, we then contact the egg donor, sperm donor, and say, your offspring, your biological offspring wants to contact you. Are you okay with it? And if the answer is yes, we put them together. If the answer is no, uh, you're out of luck. So Colorado is effectively saying the same thing, uh, following what I've been doing since uh, the mid-'80s. It just makes so much sense when you think about it. Here's the other thing we don't know about. The government doesn't keep track of how many people are involved in fertility and egg donation and surrogacy. No one really knows. And there's another aspect of this Colorado bill, which, again, I've been practicing. I'm very proud of this. Is that a Colorado bill being introduced, first of its kind in the nation, effectively follows uh, the policies uh, that we've been pushing uh, since 84, 1984, 1985. And that is limiting the number of offspring a sperm donor can create. At this point, it's unlimited. The law doesn't require any limit of a number. And there are some doctors who have their own sperm banks that will inseminate dozens and dozens of women, and they'll have dozens of offspring. And then, of course, the fear is, oh, you can't because of uh, the ability of brother and sister and parents, et cetera. No, it doesn't happen. Not in a city of 5 million people. Little town, maybe. 
So that makes sense. And the reason uh, that a whole lot of uh, uh, single donors create a lot of offspring is getting a donor even in the door, the kind of testing that has to be done, the background uh, searches that have to be done. It is not easy to get donors. Well, it's easy to get donors. Everybody volunteers, especially when they're getting paid. That's not a problem. You have a line around the block. But in terms of expecting, ex- uh, accepting donors, it's a whole new world. And so here's Colorado saying, okay, we're going to limit the number because that just makes sense. Tough, too bad if it costs more uh, for the fertility clinic and even the patients. And just to give you some costs. Oh, and the other thing is forcing insurance companies to pay for fertility. At this point, virtually no state does. Massachusetts, I think, was the first one to mandate insurance company pay for fertility treatments. It's just not so. It was never deemed a medical problem that insurance companies pay. So that's another issue that's being brought up, and Colorado is leading the charge. And to give you some idea of the charges, fertility treatments are in the thousands of dollars. In vitro fertilization uh, is in the thousands of dollars. I mean, if I could tell you how much it costs for my kids to be born and created— it was astronomical. The only good thing in terms of getting having twins is you get uh, two for the price of one. It's, hey, you have one, you get one free. At least that one works out. But that doesn't happen all that often. And just to give you an idea, surrogacy today runs about $150,000. What kid on this planet is worth $150,000. That's right. Chris is giving me the big zero. So when clients came in, potential parents came into my office and said, we want to talk about surrogacy. I say, are you out of your mind? Are you really planning on spending this much money? Hey, take some advice from me. Don't do it. What's fascinating is I still had a practice. I find that one weird. So Colorado, good for them. I like it. Okay, interest rates went up a half a point, and that caused a couple of things. This is what the Fed did uh, a couple days ago or yesterday. And so as a result of that, first of all, the day that it happened, it was two days ago, the day that it happened, stock market went up 900 points. Why is that? Because the market already anticipated Uh, what was going on, which means that's some stability. It's already taken into account, so the market went up for whatever reason it did. Next day, yesterday, it drops a 1,000 points. Now, you would normally think it would drop a ton anyway when interest rates go up uh, because everything is simply more expensive. And if you think that it is automatic and everything is connected to the Fed rate, not even close. There are some things that are affected, uh, some financial issues that are affected instantly by the Fed raising the rate, uh, interest rate. And some aren't affected very much at all. And some are affected somewhat, but it takes time. So uh, let's do a a little uh, underlying issues about this. The Federal Reserve, this is the central bank of the United States, uh, and what it is charged with maintaining a stable economy and financial system. A little bit of a historical note, the bank was actually created by Alexander Hamilton, who was a central banker fanatic, 
And there was a real argument where there was even going to be a central bank in the United States by our established by our founding fathers. In those days, every state had its own currency. Matter of fact, many banks had their own currency, which was used throughout the colonies. Well, Alexander Hamilton convinced uh, the founding fathers we need a federal central bank. The big one against it, by the way, was Thomas Jefferson. All right, so now the Fed controls uh, the money supply. One of the ways it does controls the economy and helps deal with the economy is it increases and lowers the cost of borrowing money. Uh, interest rate cuts, which is what the Fed does, we're going to cut interest rates, uh, are intended to encourage more borrowing and more spending, which then accelerates the growth and the economy goes up. But if it goes up too quickly, you've got massive inflation like now and lower mortgage rates when the Fed lowers uh, interest rates, uh, which then lift home sales. Remember, we, we paid almost nothing for mortgages, two and a half, three percent for decades. And so, of course, you buy more homes which is why you can't even get a home and uh, businesses take out loans and expand. I mean, everything to move the economy uh, and uh, interest rate increases. What the Fed is doing contains inflation. Wait a minute. Let's slow everything down. We're spending less money. So what the Fed did on Wednesday is increase uh, its benchmark interest rate by half a percentage point. And that's the most aggressive move in two decades. And what is the benchmark rate? Well, this is the money that the banks borrow to pay each other to keep their reserves up. And it changes every day because what happens with banks? They have to keep their reserves up. That's law. And let's say they loan a ton of money out one day. So they've got to get money back in to meet their reserves. So they borrow it. Or they sell it back and forth to other banks is really what happens to keep the reserves up. One bank has a lot of money. One bank has a little money. The next day it changes, so they borrow. And that's predicated, and then they take money from the feds. And the fed rate is the amount of money they pay for the overnight money. That's the benchmark rate. And that starts everything going up. That's the entire uh, basis of how the Fed works. Also, they throw more money in, uh, but the big one is the interest rates. So now let's start talking about what's affected by interest rates going up and when it kicks in. And so uh, what I want to do, well, I'm going to go ahead and start, and then I'll then we'll take a break and come back, and I'll go through the rest of them. Let's start with credit cards. Everybody has credit cards. They all have variable interest rates. I don't think there's a fixed rate card out there. And that's tied to the prime rate and not the benchmark rate. This is the prime rate that banks charge uh, the credit worthy customers. This is the best rate they have. That's based on the benchmark rate, but not directly. Uh, it, it's close. I mean, that's the closest basis to the benchmark rate they have credit cards. But it's a little bit separated, but not very much. So we'll call it it's directly connected. And so that one you're going to see immediately. Interest rates go up. The Fed rate goes up half a point and your credit card goes up. Does it go up half a point? Oh, no, 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 no. 
it goes up a lot more than that. Even though the banks are getting money at instead of half a point, uh, a quarter percentage, they're now paying 2%. Guess what? The interest rates on your cards are going to go up 5% because that's just the way credit cards work. These banks make so much money off of credit cards. It is crazy. Uh, what, the average now is 16%, and it's going to go up over 20%. Interest rates uh, went up half a point. This is what the Fed raised the interest rates, the benchmark rate on Wednesday. It's the biggest increase in 20 years, and the benchmark rate is the amount of money that the banks pay each other for reserves, and they're borrowing from the Fed, which is basically it was at zero. And now they're raising it. They've already raised it a quarter point. Now they raise it half a point. It's going to keep on going up. They figure it'll be a point and a half. Now, that's huge numbers. So what is affected the most? Credit cards are first affected. You'll see the increase on credit card interest, which is already astronomical. That's one thing. If you're going to pay anything off, you pay off your credit cards at the end of the month if you can. Or if you get some money, you cut. Uh, you immediately, if you can, pay down your credit card because you're paying astronomical interest. Uh, it was 16.5% was the average. Now it's going to be 20%. But wait a sec, 0.5% higher? Why wouldn't it be a 0.5%? Aha, because the credit card companies, the banks can, and that's what they do. How about home loans? You think that'd be automatic? No, they're actually uh, not directly linked. So here we are, a point and a half up, and the mortgage rate has doubled. Why? How? Again, uh, this number one has to do with the banks, but a home loan is a long-term financial product, usually a 30-year fixed. If you get a variable, you're crazy. And that one has a lot of different reasons what the rate is. Uh, they're usually pegged to uh, the yields on government bonds, borrowing money from the government long-term, buying bonds, treasury bonds, which is a whole different way of dealing. Those bonds go up and down very incrementally. But investors have to look at very long term and they have to guess and what's going to be anticipated and it has to be with how safe the dollar is relative to foreign investments is complicated stuff. That one is complicated, uh, but they're not directly linked. And so what ends up happening is it's a different metric. It's held on a different level, and that's how interest rates, uh, mortgage rates can double literally overnight with just a tiny bit of uh, increase in interest rates. So they don't necessarily move up in tandem. There are times when the rate goes up and the mortgage rates stay the same, and there are times when the interest rates go up a little bit and the interest rates explode like they're doing this one. Uh, global turmoil has a lot to do with uh, the value of uh, the treasury bonds, which then affects the value of mortgages. Uh, supply and demand have a lot to do with it. Uh, so when business booms for mortgage lenders, uh, they raise rates like anything else. Then you have the issue of not only all of that, you also have the issue, uh, issue of simple ec economics, right? Uh, you have business booming. Mortgage lenders are making a fortune uh, they're advertising here on KFI. If you notice, a lot of mortgage lenders are not advertising. Why? Interest rates go up. People get fewer mortgages. There are fewer people out there. And when fewer people take out mortgages, lenders cut rates to attract more customers. But 
that's what the Fed is trying to do, is keep the economy from growing at such a rate that it really moves out of control. By the way, 8.5% inflation rate is out of control. It should be around 3%. That seems to be the sweet spot with an economy. You have an inflation rate of about 3%, you're in good shape. 85 9% is not in good shape. So what the Fed is going to do is raise interest rates that it can. Uh, that affects uh, mortgage loans to an extent. But raising interest rates talks a lot about what the world economy is doing. I mean, it's all interconnected, and that's complicated stuff. So let's go into stuff that's a little bit easier that affects us. Car loans, not generally impacted by the Fed rate hike. Uh, Most are usually fixed interest rate loans, and they're short-term, so they're not really affected. Uh, Now, the latest rate hike, this is the biggest in over 20 years, right? Point and a half, or excuse me, half a point following a quarter of a point uh, where there was no raise in interest for the last 20 years. Uh, that's going to have a relatively small impact uh, because, again, that has more to do with uh, credit ratings than anything else. Uh, and when you have buyers with lower credit ratings, then you have uh, interest rates for them going up. Naturally, that's just straight the economy uh, because uh, those people are uh, more of a risk. You're more of a risk. They're going to charge you higher interest because you're more of a flake, which means you're not going to pay, relatively speaking. And so you have the best, obviously the best uh, FICO scores out there get the lowest rates. I mean, that that's an easy one to figure out. Uh, but again, even though they're not tied directly the Fed still affects, indirectly or directly, uh, it's going to affect interest rates because it has raised interest rates, and that's sort of the baseline. And I'm trying to to explain, and I don't know what kind of a job I'm doing, what factors, what loans are affected the most? Because everybody thinks point and a half goes up, a point and a half, all interest rates go up. Not even close. Uh, How about student loans? Right. So student loans have to go up. Right. Um, Not really. Nope. First of all, all the government held federal student loans are exactly the same. Uh, There's almost no variable student loans out there. They don't exist. And if you have a federally backed student loan, uh, you are on relief. You're not paying interest and you are not making payments. And you're in great shape. And interest rates are exactly the same, and they're going, and the government's going to extend. Now, the interest rate is still there. You still owe the money, but uh, the government is going to help you out. Uh, it's a little bit different with private loans that you pay actually more money for, but again, they are fixed. Problem is going to be if you start borrowing money now, the rate is going to go up, but not huge amounts of money. Savers? You're not going to see a whole lot more interest rate uh, if you save money because it's so low anyway. Right now, you're making half a percent. You put $10,000 in and you're making 50 bucks. Whereas $1,000, you're making 50 bucks. No, no, $10,000, you're making $50. How about that? Boy, that's impressive, isn't it? So if it goes up to a point, you're making $100. Do I have my math correctly on that? 
Is half a point on a thousand on ten thousand uh, fifty? I think so. Or I, I'm horrible at math. I don't even want to deal with this. I can't help you. I you can't either. I should uh, hit uh, m- my phone and try to figure it out. Don't even. Oh, Jake is munching on something, so he can't talk. And I don't know where Alex is to help me out. On Where's that. your calculator, Jacob? Uh, yeah, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway, the point I'm making is interest rates at half a percent. Uh, when you you have money in the bank, that's all you're making. What do you think you're making? So let's go. Let's go to one percent. You double. That means nothing, too. So you're not going to deal. Oh, by the way, I am right about that. $10,000 is uh, 50 bucks. And so your interest rates aren't going to go up. You're not going to make any money at the bank. So you've got a bunch of variables. Keep in mind that as you look at the different effects uh, that the Fed is uh, 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 hiring interest rates or increasing interest rates, it doesn't necessarily connect with various types of borrowing and various types of savings. It is all over the place. Just wanted to give you a little heads up as the economists are talking. Oh, Alex is now figuring out what the interest rates are. Forget it. We're not going to do that. Oh, you know what? Let's do this. Uh, Coming up next segment, let's spend the entire segment trying to figure out uh, what the amount of money you get at half a percent on $10,000. What do you think? Uh, No, I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, We continue following the war in Ukraine, and there are two big aspects of it. One, obviously, the military aspects. Uh, How far has Russia gone? Uh, How well is is Ukraine defending itself, which is phenomenally well? Uh, Right now, uh, that steel plant in Mariupol's basically done about to be overrun it's uh, the fighting is already taking place in the the mill and it looks like uh, the russians are letting some of the civilians including children out uh, but the uh, defenders are saying uh, you know what we're going to go down we're going to de- fight to the death so that's going on the military part is coming on the artillery shelling and the weapons being uh, sent to ukraine etc the other side of that or another aspect of that which is just as important not only just the defending ukraine and sending weapons are the sanctions against russia and are they working and we know that uh, the ruble has been effectively i won't say wiped out but it's worth 50 percent of what it was the stock market in Russia has closed. Uh, Russians line up at the ATMs to withdraw dollars, which are all, all gone and were very quickly. And uh, so the Russian economy was in a free fall until it wasn't in a free fall. What does that mean? Well, Russia, I guess, anticipated this and immediately went into a defensive playbook in anticipation. For example, the Central Bank of Russia sharply hiked interest rates to 20%. And we're going crazy with with a, what, 1.5% hike. And imposed capital controls, strict ones. And you look at that and the ability of Russia still to sell oil and gas. They're doing okay short term. Or let me put it this way. They're not doing as badly as the Western world wants Russia to do economically. Now, that's just short term. As, the, as time rolls by, 
these sanctions are getting stronger and stronger, even if no more sanctions are put in place. The effect of the current sanctions are going to deeply affect Russia in a major negative way. Right now, the immediate crisis has been calmed in Russia. The ruble has stabilized and uh, Putin has already declared a victory over the sanctions onslaught. He said the strategy of the economic blitz has failed. That's the claim. But Economists looking at that are saying, even with shoring up its currency with its various uh, methods, it's still all masking a very profound economic disruption. And it's uh, looking like the sanctions, if not now, next week, next month, the following months are really going to nail Russia, much more so than now. Um, first of all, Russia is being isolated. It's being cut off from key imports that it needs for commercial goods and manufacturing to make its economy work. Right now, it's not as deeply effective as it would be because there's still inventory. They still have microchips. They still have spare parts for their Western aircraft because they buy Airbus, they buy Boeing for the most part. They have their own manufacturing, but everybody buys Boeing and, Air and Airbus. They have parts. Wait till they run out of parts. They're already cannibalizing other planes. That's just starting. So three months from now, there ain't going to be any planes in the air. This is what we did when uh, Chile in the 70s uh, voted the first communist government uh, in the world. Democratic vote of the first communist government under, I think it was Allende. And the first thing the U.S. government did was just cut off all spare parts, grounded the Chilean um, uh, commercial air industry. That works. CIA wanted to make damn sure that we didn't have a democratically elected communist government, not in the 70s, certainly. So that's going on. And uh, according to uh, one of the uh, economists that was uh, uh, interviewed uh, for a Vox article, right now, this is a this is a false sense of stability especially since the Russian government is telling everybody, we're okay, we're winning the battle, look what we have done. It's a little tough now, but this war, this economic war, this war of sanctions, we're going to win. As a matter of fact, and Putin has said this, it actually is positive for us because it gives us new opportunities to grow our economy in other ways than dealing with the West. I don't even know what that means. Now, uh, there was a time when Russia had its own economy during the Soviet Union, when the rubble was worthless, but the ruble was uh, worthless. Matter of fact, uh, Joe Biden did say the ruble was rubble. It literally had its own economy. Look at North Korea. Look at Iran. It has it's their their own economy. Uh, do it does do they do well? No, they do not. Everybody else is uh, based on the world economy, but you can do it. They've done it in the past. But Russia is looking at a deep recession. Uh, the bank of Russia will be transformational. They have to change it around uh, completely. The finance ministry has predicted the Russian GDP, gross domestic products, and shrink 8.8% shrink in 2022. And they're being super optimistic about that. 
I want to finish this up uh, when we come back because, uh, you know, the uh, sanctions are a big, big story when it comes to the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. The segment about uh, sanctions uh, against Russia, which are the heaviest sanctions that have ever been imposed, uh, certainly against Russia or actually any major power. Is it working? Kind of. But Russia is actually Russia planned for this. Uh, knew this was coming and did some things. The central bankers did things that actually are working kind of, sort of. Hiking interest rates to 20%. Capital controls. Uh, still controlling the amount of gas and oil that it's selling. Keep, keeping on selling gas and oil. But at the same time, the economy is reeling. Uh, now, not as much as it's going to be at the end of the year because it's getting worse and worse for Russia. I mean, they still have inventory, as I mentioned. Uh, for example, they have Boeing airplanes and Airbus. Well, you need spare parts. No spare parts are going in. Right now, they have inventory. They're going to run out. Then what do they do? Microchips, they have inventory. What do you do when you run out? You're done. You can't manufacture virtually any product. And so Russia is facing a deep recession, even though there is a false sense of stability that Putin has put into place. We're not as bad. The sanctions aren't working. We have won. Well, the problem is uh, that uh, inflation is going crazy. People can't take uh, money out of Russia. Uh, they're looking at the ruble, half the value that it was. So everything is far more expensive. That one you can't hide for sure. And so Russia is also looking at a debt default. I mean, this is going to be a real hardship. And as this goes on, what's uh, being said, uh, there's a political economy expert in, from out of Russia that people are really paying attention to, saying these sanctions are pushing Russia back for decades and decades. When the Soviet Union uh, was in power, the economy was their own economy, uh, the, the the ruble was not uh, sold on the world market right now. It, what happens with currencies are all traded on the world market. It's a commodity, and that's the value. It floats, and uh, it's worth what it's worth across the world. Well, the ruble wasn't that way. It, Russia determined what the value was. Well, that meant that people had to wait in line with that, for everything. Remember pictures? Remember talking about it, seeing videos? of people waiting in line for hours and hours. No one has a car. No one has a telephone. Only the elite were able to get Western goods. Well, Russia is going back to that. And the U.S. and the European allies continue to pile on more penalties. And the, UE, the European Union has just proposed phasing out Russian oil and gas. That'll do it. If that happens, if the EU is able to cut off uh, most of what Russia sells, that is going to tip everything over. But that is long term. Uh, now, there, the, there are still additional sanctions that can be imposed. Secondary sanctions. If you trade with Russia, talking Indian companies, Chinese companies, we're going to sanction you. And now China and India can tell the whole world to go stuff it. But, you know, is it that important to trade with Russia? that it's going to jeopardize trading with the rest of the world. And so at this point, 
It's moving very quickly towards the sanctions. If they're not working as well as the West wants them to work, it's heading that way very quickly. And as I said, uh, by the end of the year, uh, this thing is going to take Russia into a, a tailspin where Russia is going to be in deep, deep trouble. Now, it depends on what, what did we want out of these sanctions I mean, uh, the West had said to Russia, you don't invade Ukraine, and if, it, if you do, we're going to impose sanctions. We won't go to war, but we're going to impose sanctions. What Russia didn't guess, and where it miscalculated, not only militarily, uh, their troops were not well-trained, their equipment uh, isn't as good as we thought, their uh, tactics are nowhere near what Ukraine's uh, military is, uh, is able to produce. But I'll tell you what Russia did not understand. One, uh, the defensive nature of Ukrainians. They thought they were going to take Kiev in three days. Not a chance. Ukrainians have fought in, in a way that Russia never thought it would happen. And did not anticipate the United States and literally all of the allies, the Western world and Canada, shipping unbelievable amounts of arms into the Ukraine and continues to do so 24 hours a day. So what's happening, what Russia wants to do is force as many people, as many countries to buy rubles as it possibly can. And it's just not working. It's uh, forcing companies, uh, it's forcing countries, for example, to buy gas and oil with rubles. Because that means they have to buy rubles with their own currency, with Western currency that actually has value. Well, that's sort of working. But here's what's going to end up happening. Mark my words. And we're going to go back to the Soviet days because that's quickly uh, the pattern that's happening here. Based on everything that's happening the, during the Soviet era, which is going to happen again economically, the stuff that is manufactured by Russia will be horrible. Their economy will be horrible. Uh, they're, the, the people buying foodstuffs and products will not exist as it did during, like the Soviet era. Let me give you an example. Right in the middle of the Soviet era, there was, there was actually a trade show where Russia showed its goods. And I remember going there. I mean, I was fascinated by this. You know, we'd heard how crappy uh, Soviet stuff was, so I went there. And they're, now they're demonstrating how great their stuff was. And they were attending trade shows all over the world to show how modern they are and how they manufacture and how they are able to compete with the West and this myth of Soviet goods being trash. So I go there and I look at Russian TVs. They're crap. The edges don't meet. Uh, the uh, tube is at a slight angle. Uh, they have, For some reason, they showed a submersible uh, submarine there. I didn't get it, but they had it there. A small submersible that they used for uh, oceanographic uh, research. Rivets were sticking out at different angles. It wasn't put together well. It was garbage. And this is the best they had. This is what they were showing internationally at 
exhibitions. And it was that kind of crap. And what we're going to see is uh, if, um, well, I don't even know what's Russia going to do. You're not going to see Putin back down. He's double, uh, he's doubling down on everything. Is he's going to be putting Russia back to the Soviet era. And if you're really sorry for the Russian people and they don't get what's happening because they're being given nothing but propaganda. I was just reading today that what Russia is doing, showing the same video we're seeing, but they have experts saying, well, you see, this is an actor over here. Look at the clothing. Uh, the clothing is too new. We're talking about the bodies that they're finding on the street. Well, they're showing those videos in Russia, but explaining, you know what? There's no blood that's congealed. This is brand new. Uh, this is makeup. Look at the clothing. Uh, that's too crisp. Uh, you can't say that bodies have been there for days and days, spinning everything they can. And then if you actually look at it, that's all, they're making that up. I mean, none of that is true. But they're cramming it down the throats of uh, the Russian population. It's a shame. Really is a shame. And of course, who's going to get nailed? The people of Russia. You know, not the oligarchs, not the hierarchy. They're going to do just fine. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.